We love Saturday night people. How many are glad the Lord's alive on Saturday nights? We're glad you're either here or watching at home. But you know what? We have a soft spot, a spot for young people that come on a Saturday and sit in the front row. Are you kidding me? Amazing young people. And uh, this church loves young people. How many know that? And uh, the Lord loves young people. And uh, we're grateful for them tonight. And I know Pastor Tony and Alicia have had a heart for young people for years. And we're talking at lunch today. And we went to the Apple ministry center for lunch and had a great time with them and uh, was just uh, grateful for them that the, all the thousands upon young people that they have touched through the years and, and still touching and being a blessing and for these young people. Matter of fact, I asked them before church, my friends, if they were in the mood for pizza. You did say yes, right? You did say yes. So I actually stepped out. I ordered pizza. It'll be here, it'll be here in a little while, Rob. It'll take care of everything. And those should be enough for everybody in the room tonight. And uh, uh, there'll be some coke and some pizza. I hope that's okay, Pastor Tony. And uh, I've worked it with uh, uh, my usher buddy in the back. And uh, amazing thing, I called a wrong number, a wrong pizza shop. And uh, I said where I was. And she, the, the girl said, she paused and she said, I used to go to that church. She said, but then I got a, a job uh, uh, or whatever. But she was kind of like flushed a little bit. So I think the Holy Spirit is using the pizza tonight to touch somebody's life. And uh, so who knows? But there'll be not, not a lot, but there's a few pizzas. They, they, they might eat it all themselves. And if they do, then that's, it's all, uh, it's their, you know, you can fight them later. But that'll be later. Hey, I want to go to God's work tonight. I'm looking forward to tomorrow morning. Bring somebody, invite somebody. Uh, of course, Palm Sunday. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow morning. And uh, I want you to bring somebody, invite somebody, and um, and say, God, would you just save, would you reveal the people that you, Jesus, are the real king? Are you that rode on that donkey in Jerusalem? And uh, so we're believing for a powerful Sunday morning. And I can't wait for that. And then, of course, tomorrow night, again, believe in God for a great move of the Spirit tomorrow night. So believe in God for a big Sunday at Freedom Life Church. Hey, I want to go right to Scripture. If you have a Bible, it's wonderful. If not, we still love you. And again, welcome to those watching online. But 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse 8. And here's what the word says, 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse number eight. Here's what the word says in a, a beautiful Saturday night here and in Pennsylvania. It goes like this. One day Elisha went to the town of Shinnom, a wealthy woman who lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed by that way, he stopped there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure that this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. That he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to, his, to the upper room to rest. And he said to his servant, I tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak with her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Geza, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you've shown us. And what can we do for you? Uh, can we put in a good word for you, the king or the commander of the army? Uh, no, she said. Uh, my, my reply, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elijah said to Geza, look at what can we do for her? And he replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. 
Call her back again, Elijah told him. When the woman returned, Elijah said to her, as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried, O oh, man of God, don't deceive me. Get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, verse 17 says, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time the following year, she had a son, just as Elijah had said. I want to talk for a couple moments on big things in small places. It's amazing to me in our travels, and I'm talking, I know, to Saturday night people uh, that are in this room and online, and uh, for the most part, you were here because you love Jesus or somebody kidnaps you. It's one or the other. Uh, But you're in church on a Saturday night. And so I want you to imagine, we, uh, we talk to folks, and, and uh, there are many folks that have, been, have an encounter with Jesus, and, uh, but oftentimes will fall short of receiving all that God has for them. Uh, you know, in our travels, and uh, again, Pastor and Lisa travel for years, and, and our travels when we're traveling by vehicle, it's amazing the times we've got lost over the years. And I'm grateful for GPSs, but sometimes they can be demon-possessed. How many know that? And, uh, and, and a, a, a bad voice comes out, gives you wrong directions. But it's amazing how we can be in a road, and uh, we can see the highway, and think, okay, that, that's the road. That, that's the big road, the big road. And, uh, and we, we just got to find a way to get on that road. But to get to the big road, you first must use what's called usually an on-ramp. And actually, it's not, not a big road, it's small, and, and, uh, but we never get the big road if we overlook the small road. And I want to say tonight, God's looking for people that will make room for him in their lives. Now, what I want to do for a few moments is simply live out this amazing Bible story. Bible tells us, of course, the prophet was, was Elisha, and he would often go through a town called Shunem. And there's a woman there, a godly woman with a husband, and that we read it a moment ago. They're sitting in the house one night. I picture dinner was served that evening. They're sitting in their chairs, whatever, uh, and uh, they're probably watching Jeopardy or Shark Tank or uh, whatever. And uh, I picture the woman doing a crossword, the husband, uh, watch, whatever. And the woman looks at her husband. And this is a conversation. She says, honey, I have an idea. It's Bible. She says, I have an idea. Uh, you're good around the house with tools or things. Uh, you know, why don't, you know this, this guy, Elisha, the prophet, he's a holy man of God. How about you build a small room on the roof? No, notice. She did not say, can you build a large addition? Can you build a large cathedral? All she said was, how about you build a small room on the roof of the house or put in a bed? a table, a lamp, and a chair. And that's why whenever he comes by, he can rest there whenever he comes by. I've often wondered when that uh, she said that to her husband uh, about his reaction later, if maybe his eyes roll back in his head. And said, That's the last thing I feel like doing. But the man built a small room, emphasis small room, on the roof of the house. Now, I want you to imagine when she built that small room and she put the chair, the table, lamps, and, and the decorations and whatever. She had no idea that when anybody builds a room for God, you're going to begin to set things in motion in your life. 
When you make room for God, and I say small room, not to have small faith, but but again, it's amazing that God will bring us to a place that we make even a small room for God to do big things. And so when that woman had that small room built on the roof of her house, what she was doing was looking to glorify God, honoring God, and by doing so, it opened the door for her to experience the supernatural in her life. And you that are in this house and watching online, God's saying to you tonight, I want you to build me a room. Now you say, Greg, well, I don't really get your use in this. You've already built the room by coming to church tonight. The fact that you walk in these doors, you've already built a small room for God to move. Uh, during the worship time, and uh, you know, I don't sit in the front and, and, and judge people's worship, and I'm too busy myself wanting to reach out. Uh, but if you've entered into worship, you built a room for God to move. Every time you give an offering, I'm not talking giving to a guest speaker either. Uh, when you give your tithe to the church, you're making room for God to move. And so uh, when you and I build a small room for God, uh, what happens is, is it opens the door for certain things that are going to be set in motion in the life of that believer. So if you're here tonight, say, Greg, uh, I've been in church for, uh, or serving Christ for years, but maybe I can't remember the last time that God used you supernaturally to touch somebody else's life. Or to lay your hands upon sick people and, and be healed or a witness, whatever. Listen, God is looking for a church in these last days that make room for God to move in. And so when you build that small room for God, some simple thoughts and we're done. When somebody makes room for God in the light, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to begin to experience unexpected provision from God himself. How many love it when God blesses you? Can I get a big amen? I know we're talking today, the giving of the, of the, the boxes of food, and people were blessed today. Pastor Tony was sharing some testimonies from people that were so blown away. Isn't it true? It's more blessed to give than to receive. But how many also know it's also a blessing to receive once in a while? Come on. And you've been there before uh, when God blessed your socks up when you didn't expect it. Now, please hear me. When you make room for God in your life, not everybody does. Uh, not you, your Saturday night people, but there's some that will hold God at arm's length. And say, God, you saved me. I want heaven. But as far as my life and being my Lord, we'll talk about that tomorrow. tomorrow. But Lord, listen, I, I want to keep you arm's distance. That person will miss out on all God has. But when we open up our spirit and say, God, I make room for you to have your, you're going to experience unexpected provision in blessings. Imagine when Elisha uh, Elijah was there and the room was built in, and the first time Elijah comes by, it says in the text, we just read it, he's lying upstairs on the bed, probably with a Coca-Cola, probably ordered pizza from, from Milton, Pennsylvania. He's lying up there on the bed with a bag of Doritos or whatever. He's sitting, eating some Twix bars. He's relaxing, in, but his mind is going. And he says to his servant, he says, you know what, this woman downstairs, now remember, they're downstairs, maybe sitting in their chair, cleaning up, I don't know, they're just living life. Had no idea, upstairs, the prophet's mind was racing. 
His mind was saying to himself, you know what, she's worked so hard on her her husband with all this trouble. He, He says, go ask her. What can we do to bless you? He goes down, the servant asks the woman, you go on on the trouble, how how can we bless you? Her response was this. She said, it's all good, man. I got a great family, they take care of me. It's all good, I I don't need anything. He goes back upstairs, says, hey boss, here's the report. She she said, doesn't need a thing. She has a great family, they're they're, they're well to do, and uh, and, and she doesn't need a thing. And the prophet wouldn't let it go. When God wants to bless you, God is going to bless you. And he, she, he looked at the, the servant and said, you gotta go, go get her. And, uh, there's gotta be something. And that's when he said, well, her husband's an old guy and, and, uh, and there are many children, no son. He said, go get her. Imagine she walks up those stairs and she stands in the threshold of what? A small room built for the glory of God. She stood in the threshold of that doorway. And he said, next year at this time, you're going to hold a son in your arms. Her reaction was, no, my Lord, please don't mislead your servant, don't tease, whatever. And the Bible tells us about a year later, as Elijah said, she held a son in her arms. Who is it breathing in the service tonight? And God's saying to you, I want to bless you. I want to heal you. I want to deliver you. I want to be the source of all your supply. I, I, I know there's some with a, with a false balance of prosperity that's gone off balance and, and, uh, and where it's all about us and flesh. I get that, but I want to say this. God loves to bless people. He loves to bless his people. He's the giver of all good gifts. It says in Luke 11 that if we, though evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our Father in heaven give the Spirit to those that ask? No one knows how to bless people like the God that's loose in this room on a Saturday night. I remember, I've shared this so many times, and, but, but it fits. We're, we're in Zimbabwe, Africa. We go there every year, love Zimbabwe. And we're, we're there in a village. We have these crusades and plant churches and, and, and do water projects. You'll see more of that tomorrow because you help sponsor some of those projects. And I'm in one village in Zimbabwe with some young people that were on our team. Crusade at nighttime, but during the day we go in these little villages and, and, um, and do outdoor meetings in rural African villages. And so I had the young people set up a little portable thing with our system, and they gave testimonies, they, or whatever, and one of the guys preached, and afterward we're talking to some of the village people. Many in Zimbabwe speak pretty good English. And there's a woman off to my side with two young children, two girls. She was doing the only job she had. She sold popsicles. Uh, they, but it was a cardboard box and there wasn't one frozen popsicle in the box. They were all melted, but they were popsicles. And, uh, and so we're talking, whatever, and in Zimbabwe, the unemployment rate is at 90%. It's, it's just the, the poverty and the, uh, the corruption and, and one out of three in Zimbabwe are HIV positive. And so we're talking, whatever, and see, we had this big box or whatever, and I felt the Lord whisper to me, how many have ever had God talk to you? And the Lord said, buy popsicles from this woman. I'm glad the Lord even knows about popsicles. (laughs) 
and I, as I'm talking, I just said to her, I said, I, I just, we're talking. She spoke nice English. And I, I said, I'd like, to, I'd, like to, I'd like to buy a popsicle. She was shot. And, uh, and then as she's reaching, whatever, I said, the Lord whispered again, now don't get the wrong idea. I don't, I don't have some special frequency. I've missed God probably more than everybody here. But I heard God that night. And the Lord said something. He said, buy every popsicle that she has. And I said, I want to buy all your popsicles. She says, she says you want to buy what? I said, I want to buy all your popsicles. And then I felt another nudge. And I, again, I know it was God's whisper. And I asked her, I said, do you have access to any more popsicles than what's in this box? At the moment, she looked like, what are you, like a popsicle drug addict or something? And are you like a, having a, a whatever? And I said, ma'am, I said, all I'm telling you is I'm going to be here another 15, 20 minutes, and I will buy every popsicle you can bring here before we leave and leave your village. After I said it, I can still see the back of her feet as her and her daughters ran up a dirty road, a dusty road barefoot. She came back about 15 minutes later, dragging a box, a big box of melted popsicles. She's dragging it with her daughters down that dirt road, whatever, and she brings it over to where we were on the roadside, and she was apologetic. She said, she said, sir, I, I had no idea I could even find any popsicles anymore. Uh, the suppliers, and this is, this is rural Africa. It wasn't like it was like, the, like, a, like a mall or a, a Walmart or Target up the road, okay? She, said, I, she says, I had no idea if I could find any, but she said, I, I didn't want to miss my moment. That's what she said. She said, I had to try. And she said, I've, I've got more. But she said, you don't have to buy all of them. I said, I'm buying them all. I said, I am buying them all. And she began to count them up, whatever. I forget the number and the price. It was, it was so, don't be impressed. It was so small. The price compared to what we, and so we probably tripled the uh, whatever and still wasn't that much. My point is this. She kept looking at me kind of strange. And I gave her the cash. They take American money. That's what they use for their currency. When I gave her the cash, she burst into tears sobbing. I said, ma'am, wait a minute. I didn't mean to upset you. Because sometimes overseas, we've got to be careful. Our helping can hurt sometimes. You have to be careful what you do overseas. And I said, ma'am, listen, if I took your old supply or if I did something, I, she began sobbing and, and she says, no, this isn't a, a bad cr-. She says, this is amazing. She says, I know why you're here. She, I heard your team. She says, I worship the same Jesus you do. And she lit up the African uh, uh, sky with her gorgeous smile. She says, I love Jesus. And I could see the, that love just emanating out of her. And she said, I'm here. My husband left us years ago. She said, I got four children. She says, we have nothing. We have nothing, she said. She said, there's no jobs and, and all the problems. And she said, this is what I do. But she said this. She said, I cannot tell you the last time I sold one popsicle. She said, this morning, she said, in my home, which is a mud hut with a thatch roof. She said, this morning, my kids are sleeping. She said, no food in her house. She said, I got on my knees, and I said, Father, I need to know that you haven't forgotten me, that you know my address, and I need to know that you still know where we are. And she began to sob, saying, I know that God has not forgotten about us. 
You go back to America, someone asks you, how was your mission trip? It was incredible, but lots of popsicles. It was amazing. That doesn't make sense to people here. But I believe this. When somebody makes room for God in their life, he'll send people on a plane to go across the ocean to buy a box of melted popsicles to let one person know, I see you because you made room for me and I am your Jehovah Jireh. I will supply all of your needs. Who is it in this house tonight? And God's saying to you, I want you to build me a room. You can be a young person, be a, make room for God. You can be a young girl, make room for Jesus. You can be a retired couple. There's something about making room for God. And when we make room for Jesus, you better fasten your seatbelt, man, because unexpected provisions are going to begin to flow in your direction. So when somebody builds that small room for God, you can begin to expect unexpected provisions but the second thing she encountered was unexpected difficulties and problems. Say, like, Greg, there it is. Forget bag the room deal. I'm not going there. I'll take the blessing. I don't want the problems. But didn't Jesus say these words? In this world, you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I know it makes for a great TV preaching about come to Christ and, and no issues, no problems, and, and no dry season. But Jesus talks about in this world, you're going to have difficult times. The psalmist said it like this. The righteous person has many afflictions, but God delivers some out of them all. Job says it like this. A righteous person is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upwards. So if you're in the room and you're a believer and you don't serve God for any length of time without realizing that coming to Jesus does not mean that you're exempt from difficulties. The rain falls on the just and falls on the unjust. But when you make room for God, you'll never walk through a problem ever again by yourself. God's bigger than every battle you're ever going to face. How many believe that tonight with a big yes? Come on. We see in the Bible, in the text, I'm grateful for the provision of a son. She got pregnant with a son about a year later. But the difficulties were amazing. Because it tells us in the text, we couldn't read the whole chapter for time's sake tonight, but from verses 18 to 27, you realize this woman that made room for God had more than one problem. Problem number one, her son began to grow up and one day he's working on the fields and it's in the Bible. Read it tonight with a bowl of cereal, preferably Captain Crunch. And read, read, this, read the chapter. And he says one day, Dad, my head hurts and, and, uh, and I, got, I got a wicked headache. And the boy dies. They, they bring him to, to, to mother and uh, he dies on mother's lap. So problem one, her son dies. Problem two, the Bible tells us that when her son died, she took the boy and brought him up and laid him on the bed of the men of God. She brought him into the small room built for God's glory. Laid him on the couch. She went to her husband out in the field. She said, honey, you, 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 you got to get the prophet. We, we got to go get him. And the, father, the husband said that, that says, honey, what's the big deal? It's not a, a new moon, new festival. And not like he blew it off, whatever. So problem two was, problem one, a dead son. Problem two, an indifferent husband. 
Now here's the deal. We have to make a decision that if we're going to build a room for God, we're going to do it, even despite the responses of those closest to us. Well, the husband was indifferent. Some say, Greg, you know what? I'd really be sold out, uh, but listen, listen, we must make our own decision to be sold out to Jesus Christ. And so when her husband kind of blew it off, the Bible tells us that she saddled her own donkey. And there's somebody in the room God's saying to you tonight, there's going to be times you're going to have to saddle your own donkey. It would have been awesome had the husband said, honey, listen, I got work, but let me settle up that donkey for you and I'll send some of my my top-notch guys to bring you to Elisha. She had to saddle her own donkey. What is God calling you to do tonight? What is God stirring you to do? I want to challenge you because sometimes if we're honest serving Jesus, there's adversaries him. The devil's out to steal and kill and destroy. I remember one young man going into ministry. He was asked a question during the, uh, the interviews time uh, by the men of God. They were, he, he was asked the question, do you believe that there's a real devil? He paused and responded and said, I do not believe in a literal devil. Those on the board kind of taken back, whatever, and, but kept that, asking other questions and doctrinal questions, and he did so well. But when it was over, he left the room, uh, and they're, they're talking among themselves, and they said, what was with that? This young man seems to have God's touch, but he doesn't believe in a real devil. And they're going around, one young guy says, I know, he's not ready for the ministry or whatever, but there was an older seasoned guy on that presidency board. A respected, seasoned man of God. They said, brother, what do you think? This young man that is so sharp and did so well on every other question, but doesn't believe the devil's real. Do you think he's ready for ministry? He said, absolutely. I sense God's touch. I sense God's anointing. God's going to use this son. They said, how can you say that? He doesn't believe the devil's real. He said, relax, boys. Give him six months in the ministry. I promise you, he'll change your theology. I promise you. (laughs) Satan is real. And, And someone said, I believe it, that nothing will bring a church quicker to intercessory prayer than a dose of spiritual warfare to realize that, that we're not a country club. This isn't, and some want that, not you, but some want half church, half country club. We are the body of Christ tonight, man. Sold out to Jesus. We're in a battle. We're in a battle tonight. And Satan's out to, to, to distract us and to destroy us. And this woman, imagine her husband, just, you know, well, you know what, baby, listen, we have to learn to saddle up our own donkeys. I'm grateful for, for, for wives and who husbands may be lukewarm, but that wife is going after Jesus. For husbands who maybe have a family that others are lukewarm, that you're going after God. I, my, one of my great, great respect for young people whose moms and dads haven't yet walked into a church, and, but they're in church worshiping Jesus. There's something about learning. That I'm going to make room for you, Jesus, even if I have to saddle up my own donkey. How many want to go after God like never before? Somebody say a big amen. Come on. you got a dead son, an insensitive husband, but then this. 
When she was running to the prophet, it says it in the text later, running to the prophet, the prophet saw her running and he knew something was up, but he tells the servant that go, something's wrong, and, but the Lord hasn't revealed this to me. And, and uh, so Gehazi runs out to where she is and she blows by the servant. She blows by him to get to Elisha. See, when you make room for God, you're not settle for anything less than God's presence. And Elijah represented the word and voice of God. She blows by him, and, and she falls on the feet of the prophet. But the Bible tells us that when Gehazi caught up to her, he pushed her away from the prophet. He shoved her. He physically pushed her. And the prophet said, don't you do that again. It's Bible. He said, do not do that. And if there's somebody breathing in the room tonight, and somebody's wanting to push you away from your miracle, someone's wanting to move you from where God has planted you. And also maybe, I pray that us tonight, that none of us watching or in the room, that we'd ever be in that place, that we push somebody else from their miracle. Let's look at young people. Don't be that person that looks at our young people and say, you know what, back in my days when God like really moved and, and, and now the world's going to hell and a handbasket. Don't be in that crowd. Find a young person, look them square in the eye and say, listen, God moved in my day, yes, but God's going to anoint you and use you like you never thought God could ever use you. Let's not push people away from their miracle. I want to be like you. I want to be in the camp that looks for grandmas and grandpas and, and, uh, and men and women and speak life into them and, and to speak hope into them. And so you've got a dead son. You have an indifferent husband and you have a, a hindering servant. He shoves her away. Listen, as a child of God, you say, Greg, I'm in church. It's a, it's a Saturday night. And Greg, I want to make room for God. I, because we could be at the right place at the right time and make room for nothing. How many know that? I don't. I'm at one church. I came on Sunday night uh, early, and there was a woman sitting on the side aisle, but an hour before church, lovely sitting there on the on the side aisle. And I walked by her, and I just kind of walk on praying. I stopped, and I made a huge mistake that night. I stopped and I asked her how she was doing. That was my mistake. I just stopped and I said, "Hi, ma'am, and good to see you tonight, Sunday night. Thanks for coming early. And how are you?" And then she, she not good. Not good. And I'm thinking, neither am I now. I'm not doing good either. I mean, she like just went off on me. My second mistake was, ma'am, what seems to be troubling you? Looking back, I just wish I kept on walking right by her and gave her, whatever. But when I said, how are you? It was, uh, and then the second, uh, what's troubling? She went off again. She asked, I'll tell you what's upset me. She said, I'm a charter member of the church. I'm an oldest attending member. And she said this. Now, I've heard about these people, but I met her that night. She said, everybody knows where I sit when I walk in this room. Everybody knows. She says, I'm hot. I'm hot. She said, because this morning was the third or fourth Sunday in a row. Then I walked into church like I've done for whatever, how many years, and somebody had the nerve and audacity to sit in my seat. I'm not, I'm not making this. You can't make this out. She said, the ushers know. The worker, everybody knows where I sit. I'm hot. I don't like it. It's, I, so I came early tonight. I thought, no one's getting my seat tonight. Now, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? 
I'll tell you what I did with that. I said, ma'am, I'm going to pray for you. And I prayed for her. Oh, I prayed. And when I tell you, I'll probably never be invited back to this great church. I said, ma'am, I'm going to keep you. And I walked away. Who is my prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, until you come back at the rapture, may she never get that seat ever, ever again. I pray, take that seat, put a crack addict in that seat. I put a teenager that cuts themselves in that seat. I put somebody that's got bulimia or whatever. Put a, a, a broken-hearted a widow or a widow. Put somebody abused. And in that seat, I pray demons hiss when somebody sits in that seat because make that seat a miracle chair. That whoever sits in that seat is so touched by your power that never the same again. And then I close it out with this. But may she never get that seat ever, ever again. You say, Greg, thank you for your sweet, gentle spirit tonight. Can I say this? It's that spirit that's holding some of our churches hostage. I'm not saying here, I'm sure not, but there's some places, my friend, where there's that spirit, that spirit in places they never should be in and they're holding the church hostage. That spirit doesn't bring revival. That spirit doesn't weep over souls. That spirit doesn't, doesn't care about bringing boxes to poor people. It's all about them. That's such a wicked spirit that's so full of the devil himself. But listen, God is storing up people that said, that's not what I want. I want to be about Jesus. I want to be a, a kingdom builder. I want to be a freedom of life person. And when you make room for God in your life, you're going to see some obstacles. Satan will come after you. But God will show you that when the enemy comes in like a flood, he said, my, I'll send my word. It will raise up a standard against it. God's faithful to bring you through your battles. Can somebody give a big amen for that tonight? I can't take too much time on it, but you tell, well, Greg, you make room for God. Just, you know, it's just it's smooth sailing. Don't tell that to my best friend and pastor. You probably prayed for him here. What happened five years ago on uh, June 15th on a hot Sunday afternoon when one mile from his house, our pastor and his wife were, had ice cream after church and, and uh, was hit by a drunk driver one mile from their house grandkids on the way. She just was, had been ordained in a, a future and, and Brian and Lynn Cocker were mile from the house and, and smack. I remember being in Wyckoff, New Jersey at the hotel after a day of ministry. I get a phone call from Brian's brother-in-law and says, there's been an accident. Lynn is dead. She's gone. Listen, I'm not talking some, uh, when I say a problem or a difficulty, I'm not talking an attack of uh, going to Target and not getting a good parking spot or a bad hair day. I'm, I'm talking the devil loves to come after people. And, and a second, Lynn was gone. Was it a scratch on her body? The, her neck snapped at impact and, and an instant was in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And there lay Brian under the front tire of the SUV vehicle. And they removed his leg with a pair of scissors. I praised his wife's funeral when Brian was still in a coma. I remember looking, the place was packed that night, that day, and looking at a camera saying, Brian, we, we know Brian, we're going to live, we're going to die. I said, Brian, whenever you see this, 
Listen, Brian, God's great. Listen, I'm preaching to a guy. His wife is gone. He's a coma. He doesn't even know it. Fifty, I forget how many surgeries and uh, Brian, was, they, they lost him twice and, and God brought him back in. I am talking miracle after miracle every step of the way. If Brian could walk in the door tonight with his prosthetic leg, if he could walk in and tell you that God doesn't always fix it. Sometimes things shatter around us, but it doesn't mean God is no longer a good God. Some say, Greg, I'll serve God, but I, I want to find a good fit. What does that mean? Uh, what, the disciples back in the book of the, they, what, what, a, a good, Paul was beaten and left for dead. This idea of a good fit is you and I saying, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you. I'm sold out to you. And even though sometimes life doesn't go the way I want to, you are still a good, good father. That first morning, Brian came back to, uh, to, to church in GT. It was October 18th, that, that same year of 2015. That morning, over 7,000 people packed our church campus. Uh, by 7.30 a.m., you couldn't get a seat. And, and people hadn't seen Brian yet. And, and uh, he, before he had his leg, and when he wheeled out church, I want to tell you, uh, you know, for, uh, there's some basketball guys. I'm a Celtic fan. I've been in the Boston Garden. I, I, I've been a, a part of Larry Bird ovations that give me goosebumps. But when Brian got wheeled out that morning, the cheers, the clapping, the weeping, the sobbing, and, and then Brian struggled and stood on one leg. And he said these, the place got quiet in a second. And Brian held onto the table, lifted up his left hand. His words were, my God is still a good God. I'm challenging you tonight. They say, Father, I want to build you a room. I want to make you a room tonight. I want to make space in my life for you and my worship and my prayer. I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I want to be a room builder. I want space for you. And when we make space, he fills it with good things, church. And yes, Satan will come after you. But God is faithful to watch over those who belong to him. Can somebody say a big amen? I'm done with this. You can turn on that nice pad. I, I made that pad. I played it before church and they recorded it. They're going to play it right now. Are you still listening tonight? Somebody say yes. We're still together. We're still together. He's here tonight. The Lord, the God of Elisha, is loose in this room. If a Shinnamite woman could walk through a side door, she'd say, Freedom Life people. I had no idea. When I asked my husband to build a small room, that it would be in that room an experience, a manifestation of the power of God like I've never known before. At a place that once was not there, but now exists because just one day, just crocheting, just in conversation, honey, how about we make room for God in the roof of our house? How about you build a small room? Let's honor the man of God. Let's build a small room. Finally, the woman said to the prophet, my, 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 the boy, he's dead, he's, he's dead. And the, he sent the servant, and yes, I, he, he had lost, he, he ran ahead and put his staff uh, on the boy, and the boy was just dead at the end of the beginning. Here's the deal. When you don't make room for God, you can have all the paraphernalia, but no power. We can have all the stuff, but no spirit. 
But he ran to that, that, that dead boy with the, with the prophet's spear. People looking, boy, look at man. This case, holy cow. Man sees the outward, but God sees the heart. Stay with me. We're done with this. Elisha finally arrives at the room. Up until now, she experienced, she built a small room and she experienced God's goodness, God's favor. Listen, God wants to bless you tonight. He wants to be the source of every need. He's going to be the source of your supply. God will show you, not just that he does meet the needs, but he does it in ways that often leave us with a sense of only God could have done this. Only God could have met this need. How many have found that out before? Then the devil comes in, pushes us away and, and discourages us. But Elisha makes his way to that room and he walks upstairs. It's there in 2 Kings 4. Read it tonight with a cup of tea or hot chocolate heavy on the, on the whipped cream. And he walks in the room and he lays on top of that boy. And he begins to pray. Where did he pray? He prayed in a small room built because that woman made room for God in their home. He lies on top of that boy. And he, we don't, we're not given the, the, the privilege of knowing his exact prayers and, and the words that he used. And, but you can't help but think it might have been something along the lines of God raised this boy back up from the dead. You spoke life and you blessed this couple with a child. Now would you step in and let resurrection power flood this boy? The Bible tells us he prayed that prayer. And the boy didn't jump up immediately, but the Bible tells us it's in the Bible. The body of the boy grew warm. Now, please stay with me on this. People that make no room for God are only able to respond with their emotions when they see the actual miracle. When they see the fulfillment, the revival, the answered prayer, well, who can't jump and clap when the answer's met and the miracle happens? But people who daily make room for God in their life, they'll be able to recognize before the miracle when things begin to get warm. And you keep on praying. You keep seeking. You keep praying for the unsaved loved ones in your family. You don't give up. And, and everybody can shout when the prodigal comes home. But God give us people that stay the course when the body of the prayer need gets warm. It has to get warm before it gets hot. Are you with me tonight? The body of the boy got warm. And when it got warm, it says he jumped up and he began to walk around the room and began to, well, why did he do that? Well, you know what? You might jump up too if a corpse got warm under you praying for God to raise up the dead. And he goes back again and he prays. God raised this boy, I'm sure, raise him up. And just imagine, in a second, the boy sits up. Can you imagine that former dead boy sitting up in that house? How about I illustrate tonight? Can you imagine? You're praying for a corpse. I'm not looking to be insensitive, whatever. But he's praying for a corpse and he prays. And the corpse sits up. Just doing that probably freaked out a few people in the room. And when he did that, friends, Bible tells us that son, he let out seven sneezes. I'm not going to do it in your direction because of the pandemic. Achoo, 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 achoo. Seven sneezes. Clear evidence the miracle had been completed and fulfilled. God rose up a dead boy from the dead. He called up the mother. They gave him back to the mother in that little room on the roof of the house. 
she experienced unexpected power. All that for this, so we're done. There's somebody watching, somebody in this room, and God's saying to you tonight, I want you to experience unexpected supernatural power of what only God can do. You read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He go to villages, he say things, he do things. When he say things, they respond by saying, we've never heard anybody talk like this. That he would do things, and they respond by saying, we've never seen anybody do anything like this. On a Saturday night in Pennsylvania, the God of Elisha is loose in this room. Not one disease, not one sickness, not one uh, emotional problem, uh, not, not one, whatever the problem may be, a family, finances, job, lack of. Say, Greg, I've come to church tonight, Greg, and I, I was going to stay home, but, but by coming, by just coming, and maybe you thought, you know, I just got just, I, I, Greg, I've come, but, uh, and I love the Lord, but my, I just feel like my faith, he does big things in small rooms. He doesn't need a mansion, just a little bit of space. And you watch Jesus Christ do that which only Jesus Christ can do. I'm asking you. I've dug a narrow path, I know tonight. I'm asking you on a Saturday night at Freedom Life here in Pennsylvania. Is there somebody breathing in the room? Don't get mad at me, please. But lazy people spiritually really build rooms for God's glory. They're need-oriented. They're just, they're, they're, their gaze is, is here. But once we begin to lift up our gaze and say, I want to make room for God to move in my situation. I don't get it. I don't understand this. But you know what? I'm going to praise you anyhow. Lord, I'm, 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 in tr I'm struggling right now. But, but I'm going to honor you. When, when you and I make room for Jesus, he steps in. And he does that which only our God can do. Can you whisper an Amen. Let's stand all over this room tonight. You've been so gracious and so kind. I want you to take a moment. We'll just stand to your feet and don't touch your car keys. They'll explode in your hands. But take both hands, if you can, and lift them up before the Lord right where you are. Come on. Just lift them up before the Lord right where you are. Just lift them up before. And I want you, if you haven't done it yet, maybe your mind is racing from this or that or whatever, would you take maybe a moment and say, God, I want to build you a room right now. I want to make room for you right now. You go back to the, the gospel, Samaria and Joseph. All they wanted was a room. All they wanted was a room. He's always been looking for room. It was in a small upper room that God did big things in a small upper room. Say, God, I'm here tonight. And I looked at it like this. You've come tonight. I mean, you're here. So why not say, God, I'm going for broke. My eyes are on you. I'm asking you to move and do a new thing in my life. So God, now I pray. Those watching online and those in this room, I pray draw people by your spirit. I pray healings, miracles, deliverances, marriages back together again. I pray, God, for that woman tonight that's here and there's an area of life that they need a miracle, nothing short of a miracle. May tonight they build you a room for you to move in, a room of faith, a room of worship. A room of obedience. The way you say, God, I don't know all the answers. I don't know how it's all going to go down. But I know this. My eyes are on you. You're the author, the finisher of my film. I, 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 I decide to worship you at all times. At the center of my life.
So God, now in this place, I pray, as quiet, as insignificant as it may have seemed to the Shittimite woman in 2 Kings 4, I pray, God, that hell would shudder tonight. I pray every demon, every demon assigned to this part of Milton, Lewisburg, that they would shudder in horror because somebody says, from me and my house, we're going to begin to make room for God. I pray those in the lower regions of hell would hiss and shudder as someone says tonight I surrender I repent from secret sin I want to make room for God in my life no matter where you and not just the enemy but that we would so move in faith that it would get the attention of almighty God in this place so God move in this room right now I pray I'm going to ask you to bow your heads all over this room to rest your arms by your side from the front to the back those that may watch online easy to assume hey it's Saturday we're all here we're all living for Jesus that may be the case but it's too big of a risk because people die and go to hell without Jesus Christ and God does not want you to ever die and go to hell he wants none to perish but all to come to repentance and maybe it's you tonight Maybe the room God wants in your life, he wants your heart. That's the first room God wants. He wants our heart. And if you're here in this service and can't remember with some degree of clarity, ever receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, I'm not asking are you Catholic or Protestant or Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Vegetarian. I'm not asking you that. If you're in the room and say, Greg, you know what? I... I've heard about him. I know about religion, but I do not know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I promise you, I'm not going to call you up front. Normally I do, and I'm not going to make you sing the national anthem. I love our national anthem, but I'm going to ask you this. If you're in the room and say, Greg, listen, I'm here tonight, and I don't remember ever really ever praying a prayer to receive Jesus. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to lead us all in prayer. But if you're saying tonight, Greg, keep me in prayer. Because tonight, I want to make a decision. Maybe for the first time, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to Christ. Whether you're in the room or online, you can type it in if it's you. But if you're in the room and say, Greg, tonight, keep me in your prayers. Because tonight, I'm making my decision to give God my heart. I want Jesus Christ to save my soul on a Saturday night. If that's you, all I'm going to ask, lift a hand up right now where I can see you and say, Greg, I think you're talking to me tonight. Anybody in the room looking around, no pressure. You don't need to raise your hand to make me feel good. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Don't pressure anybody. Anybody in the room say, Greg, it's me. Tonight's my night to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I will never forget the night at 17 years of age. I lifted up my hand in Jesus Christ. Save my soul that night. Father, I pray you'll draw people in the room and those online. God, Lord, you see far better than I. If anyone was close but resisted you, would you continue to draw them by your Holy Spirit? Would you melt them, convict them, draw them? And I pray that you will dump buckets of your goodness upon people right now because your word says it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance so save and draw the lost I pray even right now in Jesus name now here's what we're going to do church pretty simple last night I gave a call for people to come forward and that said you know what 
I want God to know I'm thirsty. I want him to know I'm thirsty. Maybe I've come tonight and need healing in your body. He said, Greg, I've come tonight. I, I'm in pain. There's a, this, a sickness, a disease, whatever. Every cancer must bow to the name that's above every other name. Every tumor has to go. Deaf ears open tonight in the name of Jesus. And I that cannot see, I speak it to open. Even those that may be watching online, eyes to open, ears to hear. I pray you'll touch and cripple legs and you'll touch arms and backs and hips and miracles and bodies right now in Jesus' name. And uh, there's uh, internal things and, and uh, there's, there's depression, there's thoughts of suicide, there's fear, there's bondage, addiction. We could go on all night long. Listen, the moment I say three, you say, Greg, tonight, Greg, tonight I've come to this church and I stand in need of a miracle. I'm coming forward tonight in faith. I'm building a room of faith for God to move tonight in my life. The moment I say three, why am I counting the three? Not to be gimmicky, to be hokey, but every journey begins with one step. And the Olympics are in your mark, get set, go. Sometimes we need that nudge to that place of decision. If you stand in need of a miracle, a breakthrough in your mind, your marriage, your family, whatever it may be, when I say three, you just come and stand at this altar. We're going to close the perpetual Tony is to come in moments. We're not going to keep it late tonight. And But the moment I say three, if you stand, you're like this shit on that woman. You need a miracle tonight. We don't push you away from Jesus. We encourage you to draw closer to Jesus. He said, you draw near to me and I will draw near to you. The count of three, you come. If you say, Greg, tonight I need prayer. I stand in need of a miracle. On the count of three, you come one, two, three. Come on, you know who you are right now. And just come stand side by side at this altar. Side by side at this altar tonight. Come on. He's so faithful. He's so faithful. He's so faithful. He's so faithful. He's so faithful.